What's going on, guys? This is Dave Heilman, a.k.a. Dynasty Dorks, and this is the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. The, sport, this, the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast is presented to you by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com backslash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-Bet or W-Y-N-N-B-E-T, to claim your free bets today. And don't forget about IP Vanish, the official... I, don't forget about IP Vanish. We're also brought to you by IP, IP Vanish. IP Vanish is the official VPN of SGPN, and they're offering 70% off if you go to ipvanish.com backslash SGP. That's ipvanish.com backslash SGP. And don't forget about the SGPN Discord. Make sure you check out the new Discord server, the perfect place to impact to interact and sweat the bets with the entire SGPN crew, just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com backslash discord. All right. I brought in one of my guys from the firm, Bourbon Dude. How we doing, sir? Call the firm, baby. Call the firm. I'm doing good. I'm sipping on a little bit of whiskey after dinner. I took the six-year-old fishing today, which was nice. We got our pond under control. And now I'm down here just enjoying talking about some football and maybe a little bit about some breakout tight ends. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, everybody loves a good tight end, right? That's right. And let's talk that's about what my wife says anyway. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> talk about some breakout tight ends. But before we get into that, I first want to remind everybody, likes, comments, reviews really help support the show. If you like the content, please make sure you give us a like, give us a review. And uh, we've been doing a breakout series. So if you missed it, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, we've covered it all. We've had Marcus Grant, Michael Left, Florio. I mean, we've really covered a lot. And, uh, you know, we want to make sure you guys are getting the best content. And there also is, uh, you know, articles for the breakouts as well. And I did a breakout tight end article. So I want to talk a, bit, a little bit about my picks, but I also want to talk about Brad's picks. We're going to talk a little bit about the news first. So Kyler Murray got a huge extension. You know, there was a little bit of... Uh, you know, the unfollowing on social media, a little bit of grumbling. So what did they do? They traded for his boy, Hollywood Brown, with a first-round pick. Then they go and sign him to a mega extension. He's going to make more money per year than the Oakland Athletics. Entire payroll <laughs> is going to get paid this year. Reminder, he was drafted eighth overall by the Oakland Athletics and chose football over baseball. And the guy he replaced got signed by the Cleveland Browns today as they wait in anticipation of a potential Deshaun Watson, um, Deshaun Watson suspension. So they're, they're, uh, they're adding Jacoby Brissett and Josh Rosen. They also worked out AJ McCarron. So what do you think about Kyler Murray and sign a long-term deal? Just about as much money as Deshaun Watson basically got the same deal. Yeah, it's, it was expected, right? I talked about this on my show a long time ago when everybody was asking, oh, my God, what do we do about Kyler Murray? Nothing. This is the new norm. When people want a contract, they unfollow the team, and they act like they're all upset, and then, lo and behold, they get a new contract, right? It's I expect this to happen with Lamar Jackson also, right? He expressed a little bit of this, shows up early to camp now, likely going to end up with a new deal as well. So it's just water under the bridge to me. It doesn't change anything for me at all. It, it was expected. I kind of saw it coming. So, and I yeah. think most people did. So, yeah. And, and the Josh Rosen news might put a little bit of the Jimmy G stuff to bed yesterday. They said that Jimmy G and his agent are officially allowed to start seeking a trade. Um, it does, you know, appear from all reports that they've moved on and that they're operating as if Trey Lance is the starter it's the end of the night. Everybody's got their dance partner. The lights are coming on. The last call is Jimmy Garoppolo. Does he have a dance partner left on the floor or are all the pretty ladies taken? I still got to believe Seattle is going to think about this, right? They've got to do their due diligence. They've got a team that could really utilize him right now. They've got two solid safeties on the defensive side of the ball. They've got they just got a new running back in Kenneth Walker, Rashad Penny coming off a great back half of the season with two stud wide receivers in Lockett and DK Metcalf. At, they really need to think about this in a in a division in the NFC West that is pretty, you know, a pretty tough division. So unless they're willing to just punt it and say, screw it, we're not, we don't care this season, 
I don't know, man. I think they should be looking at Jimmy G, and I think he'd be a great addition to that team too. So yeah, I mean, they they let Russell Wilson leave. They're Bobby Wagner. They're they're linebackers out of town. Yeah, they got the the Super Bowl champs in the division. Wouldn't it just make more sense to just stink it up and go get CJ Stroud on that rookie contract so you can build this roster up? Versus going and getting seven or eight wins to finish third and fourth in division, it's possible. It's it's possible. I I don't know. I think Jimmy can give them a better run uh, than people might give him credit for. Uh, I, I think he's a solid quarterback. He knows how to win. Now he's not a great fantasy quarterback, and sometimes he makes some stupid decisions. But uh, I think in the grand scheme of things, he's a pretty solid. He should be a starting court. I mean, we've got Daniel Jones starting. We got Mitch hey, Trubisky hey, starting. Hey. Like we've got some guys as starting caliber quarterbacks right now that that he would just destroy. He is yeah, ten well, times and- better at quarterbacks than those guys. So it doesn't make sense to me that he'd be sitting out there without a job. Who knows? Maybe an injury happens and somebody goes and gets him. But I think Seattle's they've got they have to think about it, right? Yeah, injuries happen. I mean, we saw it. Sam Bradford got hurt, and then they, you know, they. They uh, actually not Sam Bradford got hurt because we just assume he did. I mean, he, he, got, hurt after, hurt. Yeah. he got hurt after <laughs> the trade and, and they, you know, they traded Sam Bradford to Minnesota for a first round pick. And I think he played like one game um, in case Keenum took over. I mean, injuries do happen um, in training camp. You know, um, you don't see much of the quarterbacks in preseason. Um, to your point, there is some, some guys out there and, you know, we'll see. Um, but there may be, you know, maybe some spots the rumors are, you know, Tampa Bay looking at him as a potential backup. Um, there's been some rumors to, you know, Cleveland, Houston, the Giants, Seattle. I don't know if they sent him over to a divisional rival. We've only seen that once recently. Donovan McNabb got traded from the Eagles to the then Washington Redskins. Um, it just doesn't happen that often, but, you know, anything's possible. And at the end of the day, if they're letting him look for a trade, they could eventually cut him. Um yep. Again, I don't. I've said this before. I don't know if they do that because they don't save as much money as they would have if they did this earlier. But they also couldn't do this earlier because he was hurt. And the reason the Panthers went and grabbed Baker Mayfield was Baker Mayfield's ready to go. He's ready to you know to participate in training camp and be with the team. And Jimmy G's probably not going to be cleared to go till like mid August, so he's not going to get a lot of time to to get things going with his new team. And that's one of the issues. Um, but you know, I didn't. I gave you a little bit of an introduction, but. I want to give you a, a better introduction. So, you know, if you guys haven't heard, Brad and I, Brad and I, with Maddie Daddy, are working on something called, you know, we're, we're the firm. You know, if you're, if you guys have been, uh, you know, doing some trades and you may have, you know, damaged your team in a dynasty trade, you know, hashtag call the firm. Um, so, what else you got going on? Do you have anything else going on? Like, what, what's going on, man? I'm putting my time and effort into the fantasy football firm. Check it out, thefantasyfootballfirm.com. We've got a nice website set up, and it's all about that customized content. So I've been spending a lot of time with you and Maddie just thinking through what this process looks like for us and how to draw people in and how to provide people the content that people really desire, right? People want advice and they get all kinds of advice. What what they're missing is that context, though, right? Hey, tell me about this trade, this person for this person. Well, it's a pretty even trade. We like both sides. Well, that doesn't help anybody, right? So you look at their team. You provide some context around, hey, for your team build, for where you are in the league, you know, we think you're a top three team, so you shouldn't make that or you should make that. There's a lot, you know, everybody looks at those trades in a vacuum, and we want to we want to bring something that, that most people don't get right now. So I'm just pouring my heart into that right now. Work is crazy right now. July is vacation slash travel month for us because we don't live near either my my family or my wife's family. So we're just constantly, constantly going. Um, so that's all I've got time for right now. You know, I've got, uh, you know, I was doing bourbon sips and fancy football tips there for a little while talking bourbon. I was loving the old fashioned football series that started up yesterday that I got to hear the first, uh, SGPN pod that included bourbon. They talked about Jefferson's ocean, which I have a bottle back here behind me. So I got a kick out of that show. Uh, I listened to that on the way into work today. So SGPN's putting out some good content and I'm excited to get the chance to be on here with you. Yeah, so before we get into the breakout tight ends, I just want to, again, remind you guys about Win. Uh, make sure you get down on Win's Bet 50 
win 200 promotion where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. If you're betting baseball, you have to check out WinBet. The reduced juice in baseball games make it the best place to bet MLB. And don't forget about the ultimate fantasy football experience. If you bet 500 plus on sports or casino before July 31st, you get entered to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club, including a two-night stay at Wynn Resorts for you and your entire league. Multiple, multiple entries are allowed, so if you bet $1,000, you get two entries. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to Sports Gambling Podcast backslash winbet at sportsgambling.com backslash W-Y-N-N-Bet to claim your free bets today. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. So breakout tight ends. You know, I wanted to talk about a little bit from my, you know, from my article. And so when you're looking for breakouts, you know, it's hard to predict the breakout and tight ends are are probably one of the most difficult positions to figure out. But if you do hit, it's a game changer to your lineup because you can construct and build a team around that and you can punt and wait for that late tight end. Um, kind of the same thing you do with the quarterbacks. So Let's look at it. So the top five tight ends in scoring last year averaged at least 12 points a game. Every one of everyone else had 10 points per game. Two players had only 7.6 and 7.8 points per game. So these guys are not only getting high volume of points, but they're also consistent. The two guys that made it into the top 12 that didn't have a, a, a higher, you know, higher than 10 points were Mike Kosicki and Noah Fant. Yards per Per reception, this was a big number. Only one tight end in the top nine had less than 12 yards per reception. So you're looking, that was Dalton Schultz. So you're looking for guys with big playability. A lot of these guys, you know, you're looking for athletic profiles to do this. Dalton Schultz does not have a great athletic profile. Well, some of these other guys like Kasiki and Fant and all that, they do. They got the size and they got the speed. So we'll look at some of those guys when we talk about it, you know, in a little bit. Only six tight ends received over 100 targets, all finished as a top 12 tight end. So when you're looking at your tight end, are they third, fourth, fifth, or sixth in the pecking order? If that's the case, it's going to be a higher road. It's going to be a a harder road for them to crack that top 12. So reminder, only six tight ends received over 100 targets. Every single one of them, 100% of them, were in the top 12 three of which finished as the top three. And of course, the guys that were number one and number two finished number one and number two. Air yards, same thing. Number one in air yards, Mark Andrews finished number one. Travis Kelsey finished number two. So those who don't know what air yards are, that's how much the ball travels in the air before it reaches the target. So you're looking at guys like like uh, Robert Tunyon. He's not a high, you know, he doesn't get a lot of yards. You know, Tyler Higby. They're more, you know, like kind of end zone threats. They're not someone that's used between the 20s, like a, like a Dallas Goddard or a George Kittle or Mark Andrews or Darren Waller, those kind of guys. Um, so, again, we're looking for air yards and targets. So now let's talk about who could be potential breakouts. Brad, who do you want to talk about first? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll key in on the one thing that I looked at or that I, I always look at, and that's the target. Uh, if if their target share and their target distribution looks to where it can get them at that hundred target plus mark, that's where it's like, okay, this these guys can be a top six tight end. They can be a difference maker, right? Dalton Schultz was that guy for me last season. Both leagues that I ended up winning in was Dalton Schultz at the tight end position. So if you can hit on these, this is where you can win some money, some serious money. So the first guy and. This is, this is hard for me because I've been a little bit of a truther for this guy for a long time, and he's let me down, and that is Evan Ingram, tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It kills me sometimes to talk about this guy because he broke my heart just year after year after year at this point, and it seems like a recurring thing. But currently, he is the tight end 22 in ADP, 22. You're telling me there's 21 tight ends that are even remotely close to the athletic profile that Evan Ingram has? Absolutely not, right? Now, Evan Ingram's moved. He's changed scenery. He has a new head coach in Doug Peterson. 
head coach of used to be the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, now the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this guy loves the tight end position. Just think about Doug Peterson. We talked about him being a Philadelphia Eagles head coach. Who was the tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles when Doug Peterson was there from 2016 to 2020? Zach Ertz. Everybody loved Zach Ertz. And why? Because he was a target hog. He had 106 targets his first in 2016, 110 in 2017, 156 targets in 2018, and 135 targets in 2019. This dude was a target monster, and Doug Peterson's offense continues to do that. Now people say, but Brad, Doug Peterson's not going to call the plays. Barry Taylor's going to call the plays. Well, maybe that's the case. So let's take a look at Perry Taylor. Perry Taylor basically was brought up by Doug Peterson. He was his offensive quality control coach. Then he got promoted to the quarterback coach. Then he got promoted to the passing game coordinator. This guy learned in a system that heavily targeted the tight end. So that makes me very excited for a guy like Evan Ingram, who we saw those first two years, everybody loved him. And then he let you down in 2019, or I'm sorry, in 2020. And then again, last year, and really a season I want to just throw away anyway, uh, because the Giants were not good in any facet of the game last season. Sorry, Dave. Um but yeah, and, that, and now you say, well, how does he get the targets? Well, look at look at the Jacksonville offense. You've got Christian Kirk and Travis Etienne are probably their top two targets right now. Christian Kirk, is he an alpha guy who's going to demand a, sh- a shit ton of targets? Probably not, right? Marvin Jones is 30 years old. Then you're looking at just the bottom of the barrel guys. Zay Jones, LaVisca Chenault, Laquan Treadwell, Jamal Agnew, like guys, and you saw some flashes from Agnew last year, but these aren't guys that scare me to challenge Evan Ingram as athletic as he is for targets in the middle of the field. So I think he's a, a guy that you can really trust. And over his career outside of, of last season, and again, I, it's probably not fair to just randomly throw out seasons, but if you throw out that really bad season with the Giants last year, he averaged a 21% target share. So if he can continue that, this is a guy I can see get over 100 targets and be a top six tight end. Yeah, and, and so when I laid it out and kind of looked at the, the things you're looking for, potentially being the number two or number three in his offense and targets, check. Having a, you know, having an athletic profile to get down the field, check. There's career yards per, you know, yards per reception. It's great. And, you know, last year he did – well, when Daniel Jones on the field, but Daniel Jones only played a few games. It was Mike Glennon most of the year, Jake Fromm. I mean, it was pretty, pretty bad out there. And, you know, Ingram could easily be the number two guy, number three guy for Trevor Lawrence. And to Doug Peterson, uh, that's a great point. And that's another reason why I put him in my article. And, you know, when you look at, you know, you look at someone like Evan Ingram, you know, he had one good year, his rookie year, and he's had some years where we've been been let down. Um, but that offense has been been really struggling down there in New York. And having Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens last year as a combination for offensive coordinator is pretty ugly. Um, Peterson. Oh, God, and, I forgot about Freddie Kitchens. For a little bit there. you know, <laughs> That immediately hiding, gives you the pass. <laughs> he was hiding out there as the tight end coach. And then they, they were like, you know what, this season's so bad, we're going to make him the offensive coordinator. <laughs> um, so as a Giants fan, ugh. Um, you know, my, my only stick with, with Ingram, and I'll say this, is, you know, He's he's got to stay healthy and he's got to catch the ball. Too many drops and too many times where he's on the sideline because he can't can't stay healthy. But drafting him as tight end two, part of that's baked into the cost, and you're not having to take that risk. If you're drafting him as your number one tight end, it's pretty risky. I would not recommend it. If you're rec- if you're getting him as your second tight end, or you're getting him and another one of the guys we're mentioning, that's how you do it. Because you're gonna want to take the you know the shotgun approach with some of these guys. Because they're not 100 gonna you know gonna hit. If not, then they be drafted where Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey are gonna be drafted. Yeah, but, he's, no. he's a clear throw in on a dynasty trade. I mean, he's an easy guy to be like, ah, oh, you know what? I just need a little bit more. Hey, you know what? Throw in Evan Ingram. Right? Absolutely, it's, it's that kind of move. Absolutely, and and so you know the the cover guy for this, you know, and Brad was nice enough to let me talk about him, and it's Cole Komet. And so when we talk about being a you know having the draft capital. He has the draft capital athletic profile. He's got the athletic profile and he's probably the number two on his offense right now. And God forbid Darnell Mooney went down. 
it would be pretty pretty ugly out there with Nikhil Harry, Velas Jones, and Byron Pringle. Um, but Cole Komet, you know, he he's he's almost hit the hundred yard, you know, almost hit the hundred target last year, 93 targets, no touchdowns, no touchdowns last year. Um, you know, Nagy's out of town fields, you know, obviously has a year, you know, where he can prepare this offense should look a lot different. I was looking at Jordan Palmer's uh, tape and he was talking about how, you know, Justin Fields, you know, some of the play calls were, were good play calls, but they were missing a lot of, of blocking assignments and a lot of things that really did not allow the play to develop and did not allow Justin Fields to, to do anything and to see downfield. Um, so hopefully some of the, you know, some of the offensive line assignments and changes in blocking scheme helped Justin Fields, which ultimately helped Cole Komet. Um, when you look at it, you know, his, he did increase from 8.7 to 12 yards per reception last year. And that's the mark we're looking for is can he get, you know, can he get up there to the, you know, 14 yards, you know, uh, a, a reception. Um, he's got the upside. He's got, you know, he's going to get the volume. And I think he's probably on everyone's list, but he's still being drafted just outside of the top 12 as the tight end 14. He's got massive value. And I think if you're going to take a shot on one of these guys, go ahead and take a shot on Komet. You're not going to have to pay, you know, pay full price. And you're going to get a whole, you know, a whole lot of upside if he were to hit. What are your thoughts on Cole Komet? Yeah, I love it. I, I think this is, so you talked about when I brought up Evan Ingram saying, you know what, don't just take him as your tight end one. You need to take the shotgun approach. With Cole Komet, I'm comfortable not taking a shotgun approach. Like, I really believe this dude is a lock for over 100 targets. I love Justin Fields. I hate Matt Nagy. Matt Everflus and, and that coaching staff, I believe, is going to put him in some good situations, get him outside the pocket, and let him do his thing a little bit. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be a Pro Bowl caliber or a, 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 a playoff caliber team or anything like that right now, but I do believe that you see a huge step from Justin Fields that allows Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet to really be the benefactors of that offensive system. And it excites me because he's not, he is like a, to me, he doesn't, he's not a Evan Ingram flashy, super athletic guy. He's like a Travis Kelsey guy. Like you watch him and you're like, man, you're not, that guy's not running very fast, but he just gets open. Right. He just knows how to play a little bit. So I really think this guy's a smash play this year. And he's definitely the top of all six or seven guys that we're going to talk about tonight for me. All right. Well, who's your next guy? All right. So I'm going to go to the Minnesota Vikings and talk a little bit about Irv Smith. Now, this is a tough one, right? Because we haven't really seen Irv Smith play a ton, right? We had a, a three or four game stretch at the end of 2020 that we thought, oh, wow, Irv Smith, look at this dude. This is why they drafted him. He ranked second among tight ends in quarterback rating per target in 2020. He ranked second in fantasy points per target at the tight end position in 2020. That's why people loved Irv Smith going into the 2021 season. It's because that sample size, even as small as it was in the back half of the season, throughout the season, he still proved I can get open and I can do my thing, right? So he's it, coupled with that, he saw huge snap share changes in the back half of 2020, right? So you expect his snap share to change because he went from like, I think it was like 58% to over 80% snap share in that four, four or five game stretch at the back end of 2020, which is huge. That's what you want to see. You want to see your tight end on the field constantly. More opportunity leads to more targets, leads obviously to more, better, more and better fantasy production. So that's an exciting thing as well. Um, the other thing you look at is, you know, hey, Adam Thielen's, he's kind of old. This guy's two years older now. Dalvin Cook is a little bit older now. So do they see the target share that they've seen in the past? You you think it kind of normalizes a little bit based on that. Adam Thielen's had some health issues as of late. And he's really gone into what I'll compare to like a Tyler Lockett type of state. If you start Adam Thielen, you get one of two things. You get a blow up two touchdown game 
or you get like a three catch for 20 yard game. So he's a very boomer bust kind of player at this point in his career, which don't get me wrong is good for your team, but it's also good for Irv Smith. I feel like he'll be able to play a little bit uh, more uh, prominent role in that, in that offense. So I think Irv Smith is another one of those guys that is really up towards the top of list list for me in regards to tight end breakouts. Yeah, and he he definitely made my list. Uh, I love the athletic profile, love the draft capital. And, you know, with tight ends, you know, like not everybody's Kyle Pitts. Usually these guys don't, you know, come out until second or third year, and that's what we thought we were going to get last year. So he's kind of a post-hype sleeper, and there's people that are just out on him because they got burned last year, and that's fine. You can have your, you know, your your, your emotions, and you can have you can do that, but I'm, I'm not going to get emotional about it. Everything that you liked about him last year, it's all pretty much the same. And it might be even better because they finally got old curmudgeon-y, you know, head coach Mike Zimmer out of there. You know, they they, they brought in a, a young McVay disciple. And we saw that with that what that did to the, the Bengals offense. We've seen what that, you know, that's done with these other offenses coming from the, you know, the Kyle Shanahan tree. And so you're going to see, uh, you know, a, a much different offense than what you did last year. And with that, Kirk Cousins has – he's definitely been someone to spread the ball around. He's definitely, you know, had some very successful tight ends in his career going back to his days in Washington with Jordan Reed, going back to, you know, he – Tyler Conklin was more than a streaming tight end last year. And so it's definitely going to be a different offense. But if Tyler Conklin can be somewhat fantasy viable with Kirk Cousins, Irv Smith can be very viable, and he's another one. Check the box with all the athletic stuff. But I would not be surprised if he out got more targets than Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne this year. Yeah, it's I, so Kevin O'Connell is a big piece of this, right? So it, they, as he was the offensive coordinator for the Rams, they were top 12 in passing attempts alone right in the past two years. I think they were number 12 two years ago and number 10 this year, uh, which that was in a, in itself was about 40 to 50 targets higher than what the Minnesota Vikings have been throwing, which is a, a decent amount. Not to mention the fact that in 2020, his offense targeted the tight end position 122 times between Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. And then last year, Tyler Higby uh, was the large benefactor, but if you throw in, I think Bryson Hopkins had a couple catches, and I'm 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 uh, missing on the other tight end. Jacob they had it, well, it wasn't Harris. Somebody else that had like seven targets. Either way, they had 93 combined targets to the tight end position. So again, you're looking for that hundred target mark. This is a guy who's done it a couple times, right? So I, I think it's a, a pretty good correlation. Yeah, remember 100 percent of the guys with over 100 targets made it into the top 12 last year and six out of the, you know, six out of the top 12 and three of them were the top three guys. Um, let's just take a second, you know, remind you guys about the SGPN discord. Make sure you check out the discord server, the perfect place to interact and sweat the bets with the entire SGPN crew. Just go to sports backslash discord. And again, don't forget about IP vanish. Did you know that you that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all of your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and your other and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private e- your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's just that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing any speed, your computers, tablets, phones, all of it. Even your devices like your Fire Stick, your streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off the yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. You just can't beat that. It's just, it's just like getting nine months for free. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You don't even know it's on. Stop sharing everything. Stop sharing the world with every. Sh- stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back with a brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com/sgp. Use the code SGP and claim 
70% savings. That's ivyvanish.com backslash SGP. I-P-V-A-N-I-S-H.com backslash SGP. All right, back to the tight end breakouts. Appreciate you guys staying with us. We got to talk about Pat Fryermuth. So Pat Fryermuth is the guy that was kind of left in the shadows of Kyle Pitts last year. And of course, with Kyle Kyle Pitts, everyone's going to be left in the shadows. But Pat Fryermuth, he came out and said, man, my yards per reception was awful last year. So he's paying attention to that number, just like we said, you, you know, you should. Well, it's not your fault, Pat. You don't need to apologize. Big Ben was a shell of himself. Nobody had a high yards per reception with Big Ben throwing the ball. And he had a great career and hope he does, you know, enjoys retirement. But it was time to go two years ago. And he is, was still on the field last year and was just snap the ball, throw it, snap the ball, throw it. You know, the offensive line didn't help much either. So Pat Farmuth getting Mitch Trubisky and potentially, you know, Kenny Pickett this year, he could 100% have a breakout. As far as targets, we got rookie George Pickens. We got Chase Claypool, who's in and out of Mike Tomlin's doghouse. And we have Deontay Johnson. And everyone's going to look at Deontay Johnson and say, he's going to get all the targets. And that very much could happen. But let's not forget, we're not in the Big Ben offense anymore. Deontay Johnson is not going to get the same type of volume that he had with Big Ben. He's not going to get peppered like he was. They're going to throw the ball more down the field, and they're going to spread it out. And that's going to benefit Chase Claypool. It's going to, it's going to definitely going to benefit Pat Fryermuth. And of course, you know, with Najee Harris, it definitely uh, makes people want to respect. You got to respect the run, which also helps the receivers. So, um, you know, I look, I look for this offense to, you know, to be a lot different than it was, you know, last year. And Pat Fryermuth had a great rookie tight end. It, one of, one of the best rookie tight end seasons in a long time. And, it completely got ignored because of how good Kyle Pitts was. And on a per game basis, he actually, you know, he scored more points than what you feel because he missed a couple games with concussions. So uh, I think Pat Fryermuth is someone that you want to look at. Brad, any thoughts on Fryermuth? Yeah, no, I, I love the prospect coming out of Penn State. I love the landing spot. Uh, with, you know, Eric Ebron coming out of town, it, it was, it was, you knew he was going to get a little bit of, of targets. And he ended up with 79 of them in his rookie season, but that's on a team that threw the ball 600 times. Chase Claypool kind of fell out of the, you know, out of the ranks a little bit. And I mean, if you talk to Chase Claypool, he's a top three wide receiver. I mean, I don't know if he's top three on his team, if he's talking about or, or in the league, he thinks or what, but like you said, he's out of the good graces. I can't imagine a season that Najee Harris gets 90 some odd targets again. That isn't, that can't happen. But I also don't know that they're going to throw the ball 600 times because, you know, if you, you listen to the offensive staff of the Pittsburgh Steelers, they talk a lot about using Mitch Trubisky's legs. So now you wonder what that's going to mean. Are they going to be able to stay on the field? As much? It's just, you know, there's a couple things that could go up against him. But worst case scenario, 80, 85 targets. Like, I mean, he's going to be super close to that 100, even if he doesn't quite get there. Yeah. And, you know, you look you look at it, you know, e, I think Ebron might still be there. But, you know, he's, you know, he's definitely getting up in age. Yeah. But Najee Harris is not going to get the targets he got. And there's a high correlation rate between tight end and running back targets. So if the running back targets do go down, they typically do go to the tight end position because they're usually operating similar sides of the field. And if you, you know, if you're going to be keeping, you know, we'll say keeping Najee in the block, then the tight end's going to get it. Or if, if, you know, if you're going to just go with the, you know, go with a different package, you know, I, I think Frymuth down on the goal line is someone that, you know, they're, they're going to use quite a bit. Um, you know, I definitely want to talk about uh, another guy, and that's you know. Actually, I want to get let you go first. Let who's your who's your next guy? Oh, I'm such a homer. When I wrote this name down, I was like, I can't, I can't talk about this guy. So for those of you who don't know, I'm a die hard Cleveland Browns fan. Die hard Cleveland Browns fan. Um, 
And my guys, David and Joku, look, they they moved Austin Hooper out of town. Uh, you know, they still have Harrison Bryant, who I love. But this more has to do with kind of what's around David Njoku and kind of the situation. They just re-signed him to a pretty healthy tight end contract. If Deshaun Watson plays, I just feel like he's a smash because the only other known wide receiver on that offense is Amari Cooper. Now, without Deshaun Watson, it is a little bit bleaker, but I still think he'd be a great streaming option because you're getting this guy at like tight end 19 and he's going behind guys like Noah Fant, Trey McBride, Albert O. Like, I would smash David Njoku over any of those three guys. I'd never believed in Noah Fant. I didn't like him in Denver. I don't like him in Seattle, especially with Drew Locke or uh, Geno Smith throwing the ball to him. Trey McBride is the tight end two on his team. And I don't, uh, you know, Zach Ertz. He's not old for a tight end necessarily. He's only 31. And Albert O's unproven. He hasn't proven anything yet. Shit, they drafted a third-round tight end to provide some in Greg Dolchich to challenge the guy. So I just think he could be further up just solely because of that and the fact that this guy is a touchdown machine in the red zone. When he gets targeted in the red zone, it's a touchdown. He had five, eight targets in the red zone for four touchdowns last year or in his breakout rookie season. I'm sorry, that was in his rookie season. Last year, he did a very similar thing. I I just, it's a guy who I know in the red zone with Deshaun Watson is going to get targeted because there's really nobody else that's going to get those. Um, So I I just think the upside's there. And when you look at what Austin Hooper got last year, he had 11 targets inside that red zone. It's the same offense. It's just a better quarterback now. So could we see David Njoku with, seven touchdowns this year, eight touchdowns. Could he put together a Dalton Schultz-ish type of season where he gets just over 100 targets for only like 800 yards and eight touchdowns? I think that's something that's feasible for David Njoku if Deshaun Watson plays. So that's kind of the caveat. Well, even if Brissett stays and plays, he still could end up leading the team or not leading the team, but being the second in targets. Jarvis Landry's out of town. Odell Beckham's out of town. You're looking at Donovan Peoples-Jones. You're looking at David Bell. You're looking at you know Anthony Schwartz. I mean, it is it's it's not not a great tight end room. Not not a great tight end room. Not a great receiver room. Actually, got a decent tight end room. You could see someone like a Will Fuller go over there, which would definitely change some things for Najoku. Um, but we talk about being you know top two on your team in targets. Potentially, this could be a, a, a big check mark. And you also have the athletic profile, the draft capital, and everything to back it up and follow the money. When someone gets paid that much money, they're gonna they're gonna be involved in the offense. They they could have let him walk. Yep. And and they tagged him, and everyone was like, Oh, okay, Najoku's not leaving. And then they then, paid him. Yeah. Then they doubled down and gave yep. him a massive, you know, he got he he got he caught the bag. So yep. um yeah, I, I think it's you know I think he's he's great and and I definitely have him on there. You must have peeked at the show notes because you knew who my next breakout candidate was, and that's Albert Aquaman. Uh, I just wanted to make sure I talked crap about him before you did. <laughs> that's all right. And, and breakout candidates uh, does not always. I Justin Fields my breakout candidate. I'm I'm not actually that high on Justin Fields. In all honesty, I I think there's you know just as much a chance that he's replaced next year as he stays. I think it's a 50-50 shot, new regime, everything. But this isn't just Fields quarterback show. This is tight ends. Everyone is debating, is it going to be Judy? Is it going to be Cortland Sutton? Is Tim Patrick or KJ Hamler going to be involved? We don't know. And, yeah, there's some rumors out there that they grab they, they grab Greg Dolchik uh, to, to compete for the starting job. But they also got rid of Noah Fant, and they drafted Albert O when Noah Fant was there. And Noah Fant, who's bigger and faster than Cortland Sutton, 100% has the profile to do what we're asking him to do. And when you're talking about those, that Tyler Lockett, you know, that, you know, Russell Wilson play action pass rolls out and wants to throw it on the opposite, you know, sideline. It's not going to be Cortland Sutton that's blazing down the field. It's not going to be Jerry Judy. Neither of those guys profile for that. It could be Albert O. That could be the big play guy. 
And like I said, Gesicki did not take a hundred, you know, he, he's one of those guys that he did not need a hundred targets because of the yards per reception. So if Albert O were to get 50, 60 catches on maybe 80 targets, but he's catching those at 17, 18, a clip, he could easily be a breakout this year and sneak into the top 12. He's currently being drafted right outside that. He's currently being drafted at, yeah, tight end, tight end 17. So, you know, when it comes down to it, you're not having to pay full price. You get someone like him to pair with an Irv Smith or, you know, a Najoku and, and go from there. Um, do I think he's a slam dunk? This is, this is a, you know, 100% sure thing. No, I'm probably less on him than I am the other guys. But if you're looking at candidates and guys, you know, you, I can see a path. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely an option, right? I mean, he's got a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback there in Russell Wilson. They've got an offense that you know is going to move the ball with Nathaniel Hackett. Um, you know, they're going to throw the ball. Uh, you know, the logic is there. I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it. I, I think Cortland Sutton is still that down the field guy because yep. there, I think there's going to be a level of trust that he goes up and gets the ball, which he's proven that he can do over the long term as long as he can stay healthy. Jerry Judy's going to run those underneath routes, uh, you know, and I, I think you still have a problem with Albert O with two phenomenal pass catching running backs in Javonta Williams and Melvin Gordon. And I really think that those two are the real reason that I don't know that Albert O can break out this season. Um, not so much Dr- Greg Dolchik. But I think the running backs are really going to take away quite a bit from him. I mean, both of those guys had a ton of targets last year, and I think it's going to continue that way, um, even in a Russell Wilson-led offense, which is historically not a r- throw to the running back. But I feel like Nathaniel Hackett and the way he runs his offense is going to force the issue a little bit because you've seen that with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon uh, for quite a while. So, Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. And, you know, it is harder to see him as the number two in targets versus the other guys. So he's going to have to make his hay other ways, whether it's high touchdown volume or whether it's, you know, these massive, you know, deep seam kind of a throw and you're seeing him catch it for 17, 18, a clip, like I said. Yeah. I mean, Um, he's definitely a, like, to me, he's that ultimate streamer kind of guy, right? Like you said, you got to pair him with somebody. Cause if you think through the tight ends that you saw at Seattle after Jimmy Graham, it's a bunch of just random dudes that are catching two touchdowns a game, you know, that Will Disley has a couple good games and then he gets hurt and then it's Jacob Hollister and then he gets hurt. And it's, so there's definitely some serious streaming upside uh, with really any tight end and a Russell Wilson led offense. So, yeah. And so you, you did mention before the show, Austin Hooper, um, you know, and Austin Hooper has already broke out. He's been a tight end one overall. Um, that was, you know, Matt Ryan's MVP season. But, you know, Hooper's not been good. He's not lived up to the big contract Cleveland gave him. Now he's over there in Tennessee. And Tennessee's got a very odd kind of receiver room. We got Traylon Burks, who's, you know, a highly touted rookie prospect. He led all the whole entire rookie class in yards after the catch. He was first-round pick. After they traded away A.J. Brown, everyone's excited. Now there's some concerns with some potential asthma and some allergies, and, and that's putting a little bit of damper on his stock. Even if, you know, Burks gets in there and he's healthy and he's fine, he's a rookie. Robert Woods is coming off an ACL injury. Then they got, you know, Nikki, uh, Nick uh, Westbrook-Akine. It's, you know, it's kind of rough out there for Ryan Tannehill. What are, what are your thoughts about Austin Hooper? Yeah, so I got burned by him pretty hard. Uh, There's a league that I moved a pretty substantial amount to think that he was going to be the guy in Cleveland. And Kevin Stefanski's offense just didn't allow him to be here, right? I I mean, I don't want to say it was his fault because the guys, I mean, they were running three tight end sets. You know, they were pulling him off the field for Harrison Bryant. I mean, they were doing all kinds of crazy shit in Cleveland, with Austin Hooper there in the Kevin in that Kevin Stefanski offense. You've seen him do it before though, right? He had two tight, I think uh five, number five and number six season tight yep. end uh, rank wise in fantasy with Matt Ryan in Atlanta. And if you think about 
the the Tennessee Titans, it's really that's a tight end coach. Their head coach was a tight ends coach. They're, I mean, they've got guys there, or not their head coach, their offensive coordinator is a tight ends coach. Sorry. Um, so, I mean, they've got a guy that that leaned on Delaney Walker and targeted Jonu Smith a ton. And I, I want to say when they had Jonu Smith and Anthony Ferks, or I, this has been a while, they had over 120 targets for, to the two of them. Uh, so when you look at a situation where there's no A.J. Brown, like you said, you've got a Robert Woods who's 30 years old coming off an ACL. you got a rookie who can't get into training camp uh, because of asthma issues. And, I, I mean, the room's open for him right now. And I think that offense is designed really well for the tight end. We've seen it historically. I know Anthony Ferkser let everybody down last year, assuming the same thing, right? Hey, this guy's going to get some volume. We think he can be good. And he was smashed asshole right so i mean it's uh you know i definitely think hooper because we've seen it done before is in a situation that could bring him to doing it again so i definitely think he's a a, a uh not what do you call him not a breakout but a uh bounce back a, a bounce back tight end for sure yeah and and so now let's get into the rookies so you mentioned greg dolchik a while ago he was the second running back drafted off the board, actually the third, I believe. Tight end. And yeah. so the, the first tight end drafted was Trey McBride. Uh, so Trey McBride from a Colorado state, um, he was clear cut the number one guy. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts about Trey McBride this year? And, and as just mainly as a dynasty outlook. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a dynasty startup, he's a smash play because he's going off the board as the tight end. I think like 18 or something in dynasty. And even in redraft, I think he's a sneaky play because he's like the tight end 29 right now. Um, you know, you look at the Arizona Cardinals right now, they don't really have much with DeAndre Hopkins being hurt. They bring in obviously Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz. And, and then what do you really believe in Rondale Moore? Cause I don't know that I do. Right. So are they going to be running two tight end sets where he might get an opportunity to get on the field as a rookie? I, I think, there's some a serious chance for that. You know, a team's not going to draft him, uh, you know, as high as the Arizona Cardinals did and not have a plan to to use him in some way, shape, or form in his rookie season, uh, even with a stud like Zach Ertz on the field. So I think just because of his ADP right now, he's a guy that is worth drafting. Uh, I don't know that I'd draft him, uh, you know, much earlier than that, but I do think he's a, he's a good pick right now for the long term as well. Yeah, and he was, uh, I think, like a mid-second round pick, um, sometimes yep. early early second. But, you know, I was grabbing him at the middle second, sometimes late second in my rookie drafts. And, you know, you're getting him around guys that are, you know, this is the top guy at his position, and they're the 10th or 11th, you know, receiver running back off the board. So, um, you know, I, I think McBride is, is someone you definitely want to, you know, invest. And if you've got Ertz, it's the perfect guy to pick up and you're, you know, put him on your taxi squad and just wait because Earth's 31 years old. You know, Kelsey's 32, Gronk's 32. They're, you know, Gronk's already out. Kelsey's not too far behind. Ertz is not too far behind. And McBride should be the next guy. And by that time, it'll be his third, you know, second or third year. And he'll be ready to go. Um, and then Jelani, Wal- Jelani Woods, you know, Jelani Woods bursts on the scene with a perfect spark score. Um, you know, his, his athletic profile coming from a basketball background just, you know, jumps through the roof. But when you look at it, he's still pretty raw. Um, so where did he go? Of course, he went with Mo Alley Cox and the Frank Reich-led Indianapolis Colts. So they're, they're going to try and, and, you know, turn him in to an NFL tight end. Um I think he's a little raw. I think it's going to take a little while. Um, but you obviously, you look at some of these guys in the past that have been basketball players converted into tight ends. And you definitely want to take the shots on these guys because if they hit, they've been monsters. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, you think about Frank Reich, right? There's two things to think about with the Indianapolis Colts. Frank Reich, again, Philadelphia Eagles, offensive coordinator for them. Zach Ertz loves targeting the tight end. Matt Ryan, we just talked about Austin Hooper. Matt Ryan's a guy that made Austin Hooper a thing on the on the tight end map those two seasons. So I think he's in a good position to actually get some solid playing time. Maybe not lead, you know, he's not getting 60% of snaps or anything like that, 
And I'm sorry, Mo Alley Cox is not keeping him off the field, I don't think. Right. So I, I could see a world where this guy's getting a decent snap share early on in the season. And if he manages to pick up the offense, even as raw as he is, and make some plays, he might eat in a little bit more and be one of those guys that we talked about earlier on, like a uh, um oh crap. Um Irv Smith on like a three or four game stretch at the end of the season where you're like, wow, this guy can be something, right? So I, th- I think you keep an eye on him. He's not a – I don't really know that I'd draft any of these tight ends outside of Trey McBride in a, in a uh, you know, in a rookie draft. Uh, but he's definitely somebody, if I've got somebody who I'm willing to drop on on my team, I'm dropping them and, and possibly putting him on a taxi squad. Yeah, and outside of Michael Pittman, it is just a complete crapshoot for the Colts. Come yeah, on, Paris, Paris Campbell, man. Yeah, yeah, Paris Campbell out there. Um, they still got, you know, I drove by the stadium the other day. They still got T.Y. Hilton outside the stadium and a big, you know, 100-foot banner. So maybe there's some hope uh-huh. to T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Matt Ryan could bring his boy Julio over there. Um, but, I mean, Alec Pierce, I mean, there really is not much over there from as far as a proven standpoint. They got, you know, an interesting tight end room. They got Granson. A lot of people were excited about him last year. Um, so it's a young tight end room. They'll use them quite a bit. They do a lot of 12 personnel, one, you know, one running back, two tight ends. And uh, you'll, you'll see them on the field. Um, we saw in Philadelphia, Frank Reich had Trey Burton and Zach Ertz on the field together. Then he had Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. So you'll see two out of those three tight ends quite a bit. Um, and, you know, with Jelani Woods, you're paying a fourth round rookie draft price. It's really, you know, it's okay to take that risk. In the third round, second round, a little too rich. But if he's in the fourth round, he's worth a stab in my eyes. But that's probably as rich as I would I would go. I would not draft him in the third third or second round. Um, you mentioned Greg Dolchitz earlier. Um, you know, let's talk about him a little bit. What are your thoughts about him and you know and his opportunity there from a dynasty standpoint? Yeah, I think it it may be there, right? Like I said earlier, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to buy into Alberto, but for the opposite reason of Trey Mc, for the same reason of Trey McBride is the reason that I don't know that I'll ever have any shares of Greg Dolchich. Uh, um, you know, we talked about Trey McBride and his ADP, right? Dolchich is going around guys like Adam Troutman and Tyler Higby, Curtis Samuel, who I still absolutely love. And Brevin Jordan, a young tight end that you saw kind of show some stuff in Houston last year. And I just can't see myself taking him above guys like that. So uh, I don't think I'll have many shares of him because I think he's a little too high for me, probably because people are thinking like I am where, yeah, you know, is Alberto the guy? Is he not the guy? Is it Dolchik? Um, But I I think I'm just going to stay away from that tight end position in Denver altogether right now. And I'll pay the premium whenever they show me who the guy is. Yeah, and, and with you know with Dolchik, it's the same question marks as Albert O. I mean, it's really going to come down to how how what's what's the path to him being you know an 100 target guy, and it's it's not very likely. So he's going to have to make his hay other ways. And you know, Dolchik is a great you know great profile. Um, he is raw to the tight end position. He was a receiver converted to tight end. Um, so you know uh, the profile for him when I first looked up some some stuff on him was. You know, tall, duck-footed, you know, uh, jumbo, uh, jumbo tight end, and kind of like, all right, I gotta look and see who this guy is. So, um, but when you see him, he is—he's an athletic, athletic guy. He's got the classic long tight end hair, um, so he looks the part. Um, you know, and UCLA, we saw a couple of years ago they had a tight end. You know, didn't really pan out to do much, but um, draft capital's there. Um, it's a good offense. We'll see. Um, the the next guy up would be. Um, you know, Kate Otten, a lot of people talking about Kate Otten, um, you know, those day three tight ends, you just kind of, you know, pick your poison. You pick, you know, which one you want to decide with and see where they go. Kate Otten, people were interested in because the landing spot and the, and the intrigue with Gronk, then they were getting really excited about him and maybe a little bit too excited about him. And then Kyle Rudolph actually signed with Tampa Bay yesterday. Um, between him and Cameron Braid, and and now, you know they got they got Chris Godwin coming back, and Evans and Russell Gage. What are your thoughts on Kate Otten? Is he someone that you'd be interested in? First of all, redraft. Would you touch him? No, and I, I mean even, I mean there's so many things working against him, right? You talked about all the receiving options. You didn't even talk 
about Leonard Fournette and Rashad White. We didn't even talk about the fact that Tom Brady may not be playing there next year. Right. So I just think I feel like everything is stacked against this guy, not to mention the fact he's a day three draft pick. I, I just it's not even a shot worth taking to me. Again, I'd rather be wrong and pay the premium than I would waste a, a late third or try to get him, you know, drop somebody to to get him on my taxi squad. I just, unless you have a huge taxi squad and huge rosters, which most leagues do not, it's not worth taking a shot on this guy, I don't feel like. Yeah, and there's not really many other tight ends that I'd look at. Jeremy, you know, Jeremy Ruckert was someone I was interested in. He got really kind of buried. They they signed CJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin, and then drafted, you know, drafted Ruckert for the Jets. He's excited. His family's Jets fans, and you know, good for him. But it's gonna be a long time before you can see him really get some playing time. And they also have Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios, and a whole, you know whole band of, of Reese Hall and Michael Carter. Yeah. Guys ahead of him. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, one guy I will mention, this will be a Homer pick and that's Daniel Bellinger. Um, I I'll mention Daniel Bellinger because of Daniel Jeremiah. And so I, I love move the six podcast and I'll recommend that podcast. And I'll just say this. If you like fantasy football and you love fantasy football, and you want to get better at it. Listen to non fantasy football shows every once in a while and sharpen your mind when it comes down to the X's and O's of the game. And so I listen to Move the Six podcast and, and PFF on, on my way to the draft. I'm not listening to fantasy football guys talk about the, the prospects. I'm listening to scouts talk about the prospects. And Dale Jeremiah talked about, you know, he's like, these guys, when you talk about college football, you know, college football production, there's not a lot of tight ends that are going to excite you. Go and look up how many catches George Kittle had in college. You're, you're not going to see a lot of production. So I'm not saying Daniel Bellinger or, or Kate Otten is going to be him, but you're looking at traits and Daniel Bellinger had the traits and you look at the combine, everything struck, you know, everything looks good. And then he got drafted to the giants who have Ricky seals Jones at tight end on a rebuilding team. They're going to find ways to get him on the field and get him involved. Does he do anything year one? Nothing that I'm going to put in my lineup. I'm not interested year one. But if he's in the fourth round or late third of my tight end, you know, my, my rookie draft, I'll take a stab on Bellinger. And, you know, in some leagues, he's just not getting undrafted. And you can just pick him up and throw him on the taxi squad. He's an interesting guy in a, in a Brian Dable offense that, you know, you don't know a lot. And when you don't know a lot, you're, you're going to, you know, especially these pieces – that are being drafted now, I'm going to bet on those guys than the guys that were on the roster last year um, and, and see if they stick. And Bellinger is a guy that, you know, Dable has had success. You know, they took a little while, but Dawson Knox got going. He was not a highly drafted player. Um, so you can see something like that with Bellinger. Really no nobody else comes to mind. Um, anybody from you? No, I like the Bellinger call, right? Because when you talk about turnover – I mean, they, they're going to try to figure out a way to get out from underneath Kenny Galladay. You know, they're what, what is Kadarius Tony? What is Kadarius Tony not? Do they like him? Do they not like him? Uh, you know, they bring in Wandale Robinson, Sterling Shepard's old Darius Slayton's likely a cut candidate by the start of the season. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity after this season for Bellinger, you know, if they go through a quarterback change, if they don't re-sign Saquon Barkley in his contract year. I mean, there's a lot of things that could point towards him being the tight end next season. Ricky Seals-Jones, I don't think, is contracted past this season. Um, so, I, I mean, there's a lot of change going on, and Daryl Bevel is a bad dude. I love him as an offensive mind, um, and I – I think the Giants could surprise people this year. Just on a side note, like I, I think Saquon is going to return to form. I think Daryl Bevel is going to – or um, Brian, uh, Dable. Brian Dable. Sorry, I said Daryl Bevel earlier, just too, didn't I? Uh, yeah, Brian Dable is going to find a way to get Daniel Jones outside the pocket. I think he's going to figure out how to use his legs again. Uh, and that I think that team's going to be surprising. I think Kenny Galladay has a bounce back. That I could do a pod on the Giants on its own right now because I hey. think people are way too low on them right now. 
Um, and I'm not saying they're like a Super Bowl challenging team or anything like that, but I, I think they're going to be a, a, a 500 team. Uh, hey, this so. is two two shows in a row that my <laughs> Giants are getting some love. So I'm yeah. here for it. Um, if you listen to the wide receiver breakout show, Michael Florio said he could talk all episode about Kadarius Tony. Nice. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, I think the guy, the first guy that's going to be out of town is going to be Sterling Shepard. He's going to probably start the season off on the puppy towards Achilles week 17. So he's most likely not even going to be on the field. So you're looking at Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, Wanda Robinson, and um, another guy, interesting guy for the Giants, Ricky James. Um, but after that, it's pretty, pretty poor. He was a giant or a 49er, right? Yep. 49er. 49er. And he he yeah. came over um, and they got the chiefs passing games, you know, coordinator, Mike Kafka over there as the OC. So it's going to be interesting, but yeah, that's the, that's all the tight ends. Let us know. You think if you have anyone that we missed, let us know. I know there's some people out there saying, you know, TJ Hawkinson is someone that you should be talking about. Um, you know, I didn't think about him for Did this he episode break out already, Yeah, but, um, you know, he's someone to be, you know, see if he can jump into the, you know, the top three and Kyle Pitts, see if he can score more than one touchdown. Um, you know, he had a thousand yards last year, had a ton of catches, didn't even catch a single touchdown in the United States until the pro bowl. Only touchdown last year was overseas. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, well, make sure you guys follow the SGBN and all of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network shows. Thank you, and as always, good luck this season.